Welcome to Living Hope Church. We're so glad you're with us this morning. If you have children that are going down to children's church or um, down to preschool, they can dismiss out the back uh, with Miss Melody. Um, if your children are staying with us, there are activities in that back on that back table that they are free to grab and use throughout um, the sermon. Uh, there's a kids sermon guide back there for them um, as well. Um, so this past Sunday, last Sunday, and then again today, we as a church have had uh, the privilege to celebrate baptism. And baptism represents a life saved, a life transformed by the grace and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And not only that, it represents a bold step of faith and obedience for those being baptized. And for us as a church, it is a time to celebrate what God is doing uh, in these individuals' lives, what he's doing in our church, and what he is doing in our community. So again, today we are having baptisms, um, and we're going to meet up after church at the pavilion at Evers Park by the splash pad around 1145-ish. And we'll have uh, a barbecue there where the church is going to provide uh, hamburgers and hot dogs. And then when we're done eating, we will go to the river and uh, celebrate uh, lives that have been transformed by the grace and goodness of God. So if you're at all available, please plan to join us and celebrate with us. So last week, we wrapped up our uh, mini four-week series on the life of Joseph, and uh, we're going to transition today into some standalone sermons um, from stories in the Bible. And so as I thought today about what to preach on, I continually came back to one story. It's a story that may be familiar. It's a story that we have preached on uh, before, but it is just such a beautiful picture of the mission of God, a beautiful picture of a life change, and it's a great example of the significance of baptism in our life. And so because of all of that, I felt like it was a great fit for today's context. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 8 if you'd like to head that direction. But I'm going to give us a little bit of background of what is going on when we arrive in Acts chapter 8. So at this point, in Acts chapter 8, Jesus has ascended to heaven. The, the Holy Spirit has fallen on the believers at Pentecost. And these early church leaders are starting to kind of figure out, uh, figure things out. Well, at the end of Acts chapter 7, there's a significant event that kind of changes the trajectory of that. And in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is stoned and becomes the first martyr to give his life for Jesus. And after that stoning, Luke writes that a great persecution broke out among the people. And the church scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And so before Acts chapter 7, the church was forming and they were meeting, but it was uh, primarily contained to the city of Jerusalem. Well, this advent, with this advent of persecution, the church is scattered, and in doing so, the church spreads. And God is using what was meant for harm to the church for good and His glory. The other fascinating thing about this scattering is that the apostles, the leaders for whatever reason, they primarily stay in Jerusalem. And it's these everyday, ordinary followers like you and me that are scattered, and with them the gospel spreads. And one of those guys that is dispersed is a man by the name of Philip. And Philip's going to play a central role in this section of Scripture. Philip is dispersed to Samaria and is an ordinary person, but he is sold out for Jesus. And so as he is dispersed, this comes from our, our, our sermon series in Joseph, he does what any follower of Jesus would do if they were absolutely confident that God was with them and they are a follower of Jesus. And so he goes to Samaria and he does what he does. He shares the gospel and he lives out his faith and people are turning to Jesus in Samaria in great numbers. And so God is using Philip and others to proclaim his good news in Samaria amongst the Samaritans who were hated by the Jews. And so God is moving, but he is moving in the wrong place amongst the wrong people according to Jewish tradition. And so while Philip is sharing Jesus in Samaria, we're going to meet another guy who is searching for God who is searching for answers, and he is searching where he knows to search, but yet he has been turned away, and God is going to meet him where he is. 
And so that's where we pick up this morning. We're in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse uh, 26. Philip at this time is in Samaria leading people to faith in droves, and the Ethiopian eunuch has just been turned away by those that should have led him to Jesus. We're in verse 26. It reads, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So God sends an angel to Philip who is helping lead this gospel revolution in Samaria. And he calls him to go south on the road, the desert road to Gaza. So as the text says, Gaza is on the road headed towards the desert. This isn't a pleasant place. Scholars say that Gaza was a small in the middle of nowhere town. Gaza existed just because it was the last place to get water before you headed into the desert. So anytime I preach on this passage, and I think southern Wyoming, my Gaza comparison is Wamsutter, right? Wamsutter's got a gas station. Other than that, we don't know why it's there or why it exists, but there are times we're thankful to see that gas station. And so that's Gaza. Gaza's also a Philistine city, which means it's an enemy city of the Jews. And so Philip is in Samaria seeing the gospel spread like wildfire, and God calls him to walk some 165 miles to a Philistine city in the desert. And Philip gets this call, and it says he got up and he went. Right? That alone is a pretty incredible faith. It is hard to follow God when he leads sometimes. It's especially hard to follow God when he leads us to hard places, when he leads us to deserts, and he calls us to leave good things. All right, verse 27. So Philip started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. And so Candace here is not just a name, but it's a title like Caesar or president or queen. And so this Ethiopian eunuch, he doesn't just uh, work in an office somewhere as a paper pusher, but he is an important official to the queen. And when we think Ethiopia, we think modern day mass. But Ethiopian at that time was a powerful empire that encompassed a huge region south of the Nile. And so this guy is the treasurer. He's in charge of the money for this whole empire. And then we also read that he is a eunuch, which will be significant as we unpack this story. All right, verse 27. This man, the eunuch, had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading from the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. That is such a powerful statement. How can I understand unless someone explains it to me? Now this is true for the eunuch and this is true for for the lost all around us. People may have knowledge and even a little understanding, but more often than not, they need someone to help them understand the truth just as we did. Verse 32. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Is it himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. I love this story because this, this story is a living personification of Romans 10, 14 through 15. And there in Romans 10, Paul writes, How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. 
As Christians, as followers of Jesus, it is our responsibility, like Philip, to go and share and help those around us understand the hope of the gospel. Philip took the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading from, and he used it as the launching point to share Jesus with him. And when he heard, he believed. God desires and so often uses us, like Philip, as that bridge. Helping people process life, their experiences, and using where they are as a bridge to the true hope of the gospel. All right, verse 36, let's wrap up the story. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this just incredible narrative of, of faithfulness on Philip's part, on, on this call to go and share the gospel. God, we thank you that you are a God that loves and pursues uh, the one like this eunuch. God, we thank you that you love and pursue us. And so, God, I pray that as we walk through this passage of Scripture, Lord, that you would just speak to us each individually, no matter where we are in our faith journey. And, God, I pray that you would call us deeper faith. Lord, I pray if there's someone here like this eunuch that has questions, that, that doesn't quite understand the gospel, Lord, that you would speak clearly to them, Lord, and that you would call them to faith in you. So, God, we just, uh, we just pray that you would move in these next few moments, Lord, and that you would call us to deeper faith in you. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, there's so much I love about this story, but we're going to kind of start at the beginning. And, and one of the things I love most is the extent in which God goes to pursue this one individual, this one Ethiopian eunuch. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you examine your story of faith, I hope you can look back and see all the ways that God has pursued you with his love. God doesn't sit back passively and just kind of hope we figure it out, but he pursues us with his love and grace. And so that's our first point today. God pursues individuals. God pursues me with his love. One of the things I love about the, the way we do baptisms is we ask everyone being baptized to kind of share their testimony or a small snapshot of how God pursued and changed their lives. So last Sunday night, we had six baptisms, and their, their testimonies were incredible. And in each of their stories, although unique, you could see how God had pursued them, loved them, and used others to lead them to faith. So God pursues us, the individual, with his love, and so often he uses his followers as his messengers. So God pursues the one, but our second point is God uses his followers. He uses me as his follower to share his hope and love. God passionately cares and pursues the one, and it is often us, his ordinary followers like Philip, that he sends to show and share his love to the one. I know for me, God used family members. He used my mom and dad and grandparents to show his love. He used pastors and Sunday school teachers and coaches to share his love with me. Nearly all of these people lived, lived or are living ordinary lives. You wouldn't know their names, but God used them to change my life. In every story we heard last week, and I'm sure in the stories we hear today at baptisms, we will hear of ordinary people that God used to share his love and share his hope in their lives. God pursues individuals, and he uses ordinary people like you and me and Philip to go and share that hope. And so the eunuch, he knew something was missing. And so he had gone to Jerusalem to try and find and understand who God was. But he is returning home in his chariot more confused than ever. 
He went to Jerusalem to find God and couldn't do it. And so God has found him. God has sent a messenger to him. God didn't leave him in his confusion, but he sent someone to him to answer his questions and point him towards Jesus. And that messenger is Philip. And Philip is open to God's call, and he walks. This is just hard to believe. He walks 165 miles to Gaza. Again, I did Google, some Google map work today, and we're headed this way uh, tomorrow on our way to Casper. But 165 miles from Green River would be like walking from here to Muddy Gap. That's walking all the way to Rollins and then up to Muddy Gap. And that is a long ways to nowhere. Uh, Now, if you don't know where Muddy Gap is, 165 miles is also the distance to walk between here and Ogden. But either way, that's a long ways. And so Philip walks until he sees this chariot and he chases it down and he climbs on in. And when he climbs in, he asks the eunuch, do you understand what you are reading? And he says this, this powerful statement, how can I understand unless someone explains it or guides me through it? And that's Philip's call, his responsibility to guide this eunuch through the scriptures and point him to Jesus. And that's our call and our responsibility as followers of Jesus as well. It's not our job to save those around us. That's God's job. But it is our job to point them to Jesus, to share his hope with them, and to help them understand. That's our next point. Belief comes from hearing and understanding God's word. As Paul said earlier, how can people know if they never hear? But we see here it's not enough just to hear or read God's word. We have to understand it. We don't come to faith through osmosis, but we come to faith through understanding. And this eunuch had been searching for answers. He had been searching for God. He had traveled all the way to Jerusalem. This is some 1,300 miles. He had traveled from his home looking for answers, but yet he is traveling home confused and dismayed when God pursues him right there in the desert. And the reason the eunuch likely left his heart was the sign that would have met him at the doors of the temple. There was a sign in that time at the edge of the outer court of the temple that read, No lame, no blind, and no, no eunuchs may enter here. This man had went searching for answers, and when he was arrived, when he arrived, he was told he was disqualified. He was told he wasn't welcome. He was told he wasn't good enough. Can you imagine a worse feeling in the world, being told you weren't good enough to come? The man had traveled for weeks, months maybe, only to find out he was unqualified to know and follow God. I would guess at this point, maybe he was ready to give up and move on. But as we see, these man-made laws and rules are not of God, but instead God pursues us no matter where we are or where we are from. No matter where your past, no matter what your past is, you are not disqualified from God's love. But instead, here we see He pursues you and He reveals Himself to you where you are. And that moment is coming for the eunuch in the form of Philip. But as we look across our landscape, the sad reality, there is still some churches and some people that do this today. Whether formally or informally, they say to those outside their walls that you have to dress a certain way to enter here. You have to look a certain way to know God. You have to clean yourself up before you can know God. You have to jump through certain hoops before you can know God. And there are some like the temple that say to others, you are disqualified to know our God. Let me be clear, that is not the gospel. That is not Jesus and that is not the heart of God. The gospel is clear that Jesus gave his life and love for all, and he is faithful to forgive any and all that will turn and follow after him. And so there is hope for the eunuch, there is hope for the sinner, there is hope for you and I, and that hope is Jesus. The eunuch is reading Isaiah 53 when Philip approaches him, but just three chapters over in Isaiah 56, we see that hope. Isaiah 56 says, Let the eunuch no longer say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who embrace my covenant, 
I will give you in my house a name better than sons and daughters, an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And so God, even back in Isaiah 56, proclaims over the eunuch, there is a future, a hope for you in my love. All right, let's look in verse 32 and see that hope. It says, now the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading was this. It says, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied for him. Then he says, who is he talking about? Is he talking about himself or someone else? And this quotation from Isaiah 53 was written almost 800 years before Jesus was born. And Isaiah prophesied that Jesus, the Messiah, would be like a lamb led to the slaughter. He would be wrongfully accused of crimes he did not commit, but would not even open his mouth. And this came true to to the letter. When Jesus stood before Pilate, he was accused of crimes he had not done, but he sat there silent, even though he was completely innocent of all that he was being accused of. Jesus went to the cross. He died as a lamb. He gave his life for us. Lambs were were sacrificial animals in the Jewish system. And every year in Israel, the father of a, a family would take a lamb to the temple, and he would lay it on the altar and confess the sins of the family over it. And while he was confessing, the priest would would slit the throat of the lamb, and the lamb would die for the sins of the family. It would die in place of the family. The gospel tells us that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. The Bible tells us that the wage or the consequence of my sin and your sin is death. The Bible says that's what we deserve. But Jesus goes to the cross, and he takes my guilt, and he dies the death I deserve to die. He goes to the cross silently, willingly, giving his life for the eunuch giving his life for me and giving his life for you. Verse 34, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or about someone else? And Philip takes this set up and it says that Philip goes from that passage and he explains how it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The story of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is that Jesus dies in my place so that I can experience hope, love, forgiveness, and eternal life in him. Jesus took the death that I deserve, and I get to experience the life and righteousness that he earns and deserves. God's rescue story is simple. God's gospel is simple. It's all about Jesus. He paid the price, the death that your sin and my sin deserve, and he rose victorious over death on the third day. He is alive and well today in victory, and he offers his life, his victory, eternity with him to any and all that will believe and follow after him. And for the eunuch, he hears this message and the light bulb goes on. All of this he had been reading, all of the confusion of the trip, the words of Philip lead him to understanding. He understands who the prophet is talking about. He understands that that God loves him, even though he may be disqualified in the eyes of the world, even though he is a sinner. He understands that Jesus loves him and died for his sins. And when the eunuch understands, he is left with a decision. He's left with a decision to embrace and follow after Jesus or to ignore and go his own way. And for him, it's an easy decision. He embraces and follows after Jesus. Understanding leads him to believe. Philip pointed him to Jesus, answered his questions, and it led to believe. But you see, it's not enough to hear about Jesus or to understand Jesus. You must believe and put your faith in him. And so the question for us today is, do you understand who Jesus is? Do you understand the good news of Jesus? And if not, if it doesn't make sense to you, if it's confusing and you have questions, keep asking your questions. Keep pursuing just as the eunuch did. Read the Bible. Call me up. Have lunch with a friend. But keep asking your questions. But maybe you are here and you do understand. You know enough and you're left with this question. Will I turn and follow Jesus and put my faith in him? 
go my own way and trust my future, my eternity to my own merit and my own hands. So do you understand the good news? And if so, do you believe that you put your faith in Jesus? The Bible tells us salvation, forgiveness is a gift, but you have to accept and receive it. Have you taken that step of belief, of surrender, of placing your faith in Jesus? If you're here today and you've not done that, you can do that in your seat. There's nothing magical about it. There's not six steps you have to complete. But you simply, with a surrendered heart, have to say to God through prayer that I believe that you sent Jesus to live the sinless life I couldn't live. I believe you sent him to die the death that my sin deserved. I believe that Jesus rose from the grave and I want to follow him and experience his life the rest of my days. I want to make Jesus the Lord, the boss of my life moving forward. The Bible says if you do that, he is faithful to forgive. And that's exactly what the eunuch does when he understands. He understands who Jesus is and what he offers him, and he believes, and he puts his faith in Jesus, and it changes everything in his life. And we see that right away in verse 36. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And so our next point is that belief leads to obedience and surrender. To follow Jesus is to believe and then to obey and surrender your life to his ways. To follow Jesus is to make him Lord and leader of your life, and that's what the eunuch does. He says, I believe, and the first thing I'm supposed to do as a believer is to be baptized. Let's go and let's do it now. He says to Philip, I'm in. I want to obey my Savior, and I want to commit to following him in baptism. Belief leads to obedience, and the first step of obedience laid out to followers of Jesus is baptism. Now, just to be clear, baptism doesn't lead to salvation, but instead it's a step of obedience that declares the world, I am a follower of Jesus. Right? Baptism is a sign like my wedding ring. My wedding ring expresses my allegiance, my love for my wife, Melody. It's not my wedding ring that makes me married, but I wear my wedding ring because I am married. It's a declaration of my marriage. In the same way, baptism doesn't save you, but it declares the world and to yourself, your allegiance, your love, your desire to follow Jesus moving forward. It says to the world, I am with Jesus. I am his followers. And so today we are going to celebrate with our, our brothers and sisters in Jesus. They declare to the world, I am with Jesus and I am his follower. And if you're here today and you've never taken that first step of obedience and baptism, then come and talk with me. If you follow Jesus and are ready to be baptized, let me know. And you can join us today, or you can join us in August when we have baptism scheduled, or in September when we have baptism scheduled, or any other Sunday. It would be our joy to help you take this step of obedience. So understanding leads to belief, and belief leads to obedience and baptism in the life of the eunuch. The next thing we see in the eunuch's life is the transformation that comes from following Jesus. When you choose to follow Jesus, you cannot remain the same, but instead your life will be changed. It will be transformed. So that's our next point. Following Jesus transforms our lives. When we choose to follow Jesus, when we follow him in obedience and surrender, it will transform our lives. We cannot follow Jesus and remain the same. Following Jesus will change and transform our priorities to his. It will transform our values to his. It will transform our plans to his. It will transform our families to be more like him. It will transform our lives to pursue him and his mission. The eunuch comes to faith in Jesus and he is changed. He's immediately obedient in baptism. And then it says, Philip is taken away and he rejoices in his new faith. I think that's so amazing about the eunuch's life. It says that the moment Philip baptizes him, he is taken away. 
Philip doesn't stay and mentor or lead or do a Bible study with the eunuch, but he is gone like that. And it says the eunuch, now with his new faith, with his copies of the scripture and empowered by the Holy Spirit, embraces his faith and pursues the God that saved him. Now, I don't know about you, but I am thankful for mentors and for Bible studies and for churches that have invested in my life. But the Ethiopian eunuch is a testimony to the fact that you don't need the right program or the right mentor or the right church to grow in your faith. God is faithful through the Holy Spirit and through the words of the Bible to grow your faith if you will trust and follow after him. But I think this is an especially pertinent point right now. And we've been announcing it for a couple months now. But I and my family, we will be moving sometime in the next few weeks. But that does not mean that God is done with this church. And it certainly does not mean that God is done with you. Right? People come and go, but God is faithful. It's always been my prayer since the beginning that our church would not be dependent on one person, but we would be dependent on God. That you would not be dependent on me to learn and grow, but that you would grow and learn by reading the scripture, by worshiping together and letting the Holy Spirit work in your lives. I'm so grateful to have been a part, a sum of a part of, of what God has done in many of your lives. But I am confident that God will continue to work in your lives and in the life of the church long after I leave. We've said this, it is so sad for us to be moving away, and I know it's sad for many of you, but God is faithful, and he is so much bigger and greater than any one person. In the life of the eunuch, he had just moments with Philip, but God was faithful after he took Philip away. And so while we would love for people to stay in our lives forever, God seems to be regularly moving people to different places and different calls, and yet he remains faithful, and he is the constant. And so this can give you confidence as those you love move away, but this can also give you confidence that when God calls you to move, he will take care of those you love, those you have invested in, those that you are leaving behind. And so we see in the life of the eunuch that to grow in Jesus, you don't need another program or a new mentor, but instead what you need is God, a willingness to listen and surrender, and you need to develop patterns in your life where you are regularly in relationship with him. You have to commit to taking accountability for your own faith. And you, you do this by reading the word, by coming to church, by hearing the word, by doing what you know to be true, by listening to voices in your life that speak truth. God desires to transform you and mature in your life, but you have to commit to following him, to joining the Holy Spirit in the process of transformation. And when you do, God is faithful to make you more like him. And this is so important because it's not just your, for your faith, but it's so important for the impact you are called to have on others. God desires to use you to reach your children, your family, your neighborhood, your city, your coworkers with the gospel. And you can't do that if you are not experiencing God's transformation first in your own life. And that's our final point. Following Jesus means sharing Jesus with those around us. When we follow Jesus, we join his mission to share his hope and his forgiveness to the world around us. Following Jesus gives every aspect of our life purpose as we seek to share Jesus and shine his light in every uh, facet of the world, of our life and the world around us. I love this, but history tells us the Ethiopian eunuch didn't let his faith in with him. But instead it changed his life and he shared the hope of Jesus with those all around him. I love this, but the ancient historian Eusebius says that this eunuch and his band of servants that were with him, they went on to plant the first church in Africa. And nearly every church in Africa now dates or, or draws their history back to this Ethiopian eunuch. The gospel spreads to Africa in the form of one man, but it doesn't stay with one man. It instead spreads as this man shares the hope he has in his hometown and beyond. But I like to believe that the gospel likely spread long before the eunuch made it home. He still had some 1,100 miles until he was home uh, from when he met Philip in Gaza. 
It says he went on home rejoicing. It's my belief that his caravan likely came to faith long before they made it to Africa. This man is saved, and he immediately shares that hope with others. The same is true for your life. God has saved you, not just for yourself, but he has saved you to be a witness, a messenger of the hope of Jesus with others. In the Bible, there is no gap between the call to follow Jesus and the call of the Great Commission to go and share his hope. One pastor described it like this. He says, God is like a spiritual tornado. He never pulls you, pulls you out of the world without almost instantaneously throwing you back in to share his hope. God has saved you, and now he is sending you back to share that hope with others. There are people walking around you each and every day that love you, that, that trust you, that know you, that listen to you. And God is calling you to be the Philip in their life. He's calling you to point them to Jesus and help them understand the hope of the gospel available in him. And we know this, but the reality is you may be the only Jesus follower in their life that they know and that they trust. God has intentionally placed you in their life for a reason and a purpose. And that reason and that purpose is to be a light and to point them to him. That is my purpose and mission in Jesus, and that is your purpose and mission in Jesus. To go and share his hope with the world around you. So we be faithful to surrender, first to follow, but then be faithful to surrender, to give your life, to share the hope of the gospel with those around you. That you pray for those around you, that God will save them, that he will lead them to understanding. And that we be faithful to open your mouth and share when the opportunity comes. And so as we wrap up this story, this story's got a, a lot of breath, uh, but, but I think there's a place that all of us can find ourselves. So as Emily comes to play and to close us out, I want to spend just a few moments in reflection and, and asking ourselves, where are we in this story and what is God calling us to? First, you may be here, you may be the eunuch. You may have questions. You may not understand who God is and what he's talking about. Would you ask your questions and seek to understand who he is? Secondly, maybe you are the eunuch and you, you understand, but you are being called to surrender. Would you surrender your life? Would you surrender to him? Would you step out in faith and belief and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I know who you are. I believe in who you are, and I want to follow you with my life. Would you surrender your life and follow him today? Maybe the eunuch still, and, and you have done that, but God is calling you to obey and follow him in the step of baptism. We're just calling you to obey him in, in obedience as you grow in your faith. So would you do that? Or maybe you're Philip. And you're hearing God is saying, go. God is saying, live with intentionality. God is saying, share the hope of the gospel with someone. But maybe you're scared and you don't understand. Maybe he's calling you to go to the desert and you don't want to go to the desert. Would you surrender and go? If God calls, he will make a way. Would you go? And I pray that's you that God would make that clear and specific. But lastly, maybe you're the eunuch and you have been saved. But for whatever reason, you've let that understanding stay with you. Would you commit to pursuing Jesus regularly and making him known wherever God sends you? So I'm going to close this in prayer. As I close this in prayer, Emily's going to play and, and just give us a few moments to reflect. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for this incredible uh, just narrative about how, you, uh, how about how you pursue this Ethiopian's life. About how you sent Philip and he faithfully went and shared your good news with the Ethiopian. God, we thank you for the story of a life changed. A life changed. It didn't end with him, but a life changed that, that, that affected an entire continent. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us in these next few moments to see ourselves in this story. To see where you are calling us to deeper faith.
God, I pray that there's someone here that, that, that maybe knows and, and is searching but doesn't understand, Lord, would you help them to understand. So that you would help them to understand who you are and how you love them and care for them. And God, I pray that that understanding would lead them to surrender and to believe. And God, I pray, if, again, if there's someone here that doesn't believe, it's not surrender to follow you, Lord, they would do it today. That they would trust you with their life because you are good and you are faithful and you are able. God, I pray for the many here that, that may have trusted your life, but may we have faltered in our obedience, Lord. God, would you call us to specific obedience this week, to follow you in a, a greater way. Maybe that's to trust you in baptism. Maybe that's to, to trust you to grow us and, and, and to transform us. Maybe that's to, to trust you in a hard situation, Lord. But would you make it clear what you're calling us to when it comes to obedience? And then, God, I pray that we are a people that don't just understand, that don't just believe, but that we are a people that are sent. God, that we don't take our faith and just sit on it, Lord, but that we are people that share that hope, that good news with those all around us. God, that we live lives that look different, and people see the difference, Lord, and we have opportunities to share your hope. God, may we be a people that, that are sent each and every Sunday, Lord, to live with intentionality, to share your love with those around us. So God, I pray if there's any of us here that aren't doing this the way you've called us to do, Lord, that you would, again, just make it clear to us where and how you're calling us to live out our faith in every aspect of our lives, Lord, and that we'd be faithful to do so. So God, I pray in these next few moments, Lord, that we would just, you would speak to us, Lord, that we would uh, confess any sin in our lives, Lord, and that we would choose to follow you in a deeper way. God, we thank you so much that while we were sinners, you sent Jesus to die in our place. That if we believe in you, Lord, that we can have life, life abundant and for eternity in you. God, may we live our lives in the confidence of that. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. God, we thank you that you sent Jesus to die in our place on that cross. Lord, we thank you for the life that we can have in you. God, may you be faithful to speak to us as we leave, Lord, and may you send us out as your hope bearers to the world around us. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here this morning. I've got, I've got some announcements for you. Let's see.